Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. today. Welcome to Horizon West Church. You can go ahead and have a seat. Wow, I'm so, so glad to be here today to celebrate the goodness of God. I love this team that just led us in worship. And if you've been trusting in Jesus, if you've trusted in God, you know, you've tasted and seen how good the Lord is. And to sing words like that um, in a moment like this just recalls ways that he's walked you through the fire, walked you through so many different things. So I love worshiping together as a family to remind us of those moments. Um, I, uh, I am so glad, I'm so glad to be seeing your faces um, in front of me today. Um, I, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I've gotten to meet a lot of you, but if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Socrates Perez, and I'm the worship pastor here at Horizon West Church. Um, we're, <laughs> thank you. Where, uh, where I get to direct service programming and, and lead, uh, you know, our weekend teams, we, teams that care for our weekend services. And I'm thankful to be in this, in this spot that's kind of a more unusual spot for me, but I'm, I'm excited to get an opportunity to share the Word of God with you all today. Um, I want to introduce you to my family. There's a, there's a picture of my family. It's up there on the wall. And that's my family. There's Sarah, Cora, and Miles. Um, and so they're actually sitting over there right now. So um, if we haven't gotten to meet you, I just wanted you to know a little bit about us. You know, we moved, um, we moved here to Orlando. We grew up, my wife and I grew up in Orlando, but we've been here for the last, for the last eight years. We've been in Southern California, and we've lived, um, we've lived out there with our two kids. But we've been back for the last couple of months, and we're so thankful that God has led us here to this Horizon West church community. Um, and I'm grateful for this opportunity uh, to share God's word with you together today. Um, I'm grateful that God allows ordinary people like you and me um, to participate in his extraordinary work. And God wants to do an extraordinary work through you and me. And, uh, and I just have this expectation that God's going to say something to you and to me today. Um, so I also, before, uh, before I just kind of open in prayer, I want to say thanks to people that are watching online. If you're watching online for the first time, if you want to join us here in person, we'd love to see you. But I know that there's some friends um, from across the country that are watching online as well. And so just want to thank you for your prayers and your encouragement today. Um, so I invite you to join me um, in being open to what the Holy Spirit has to say for us today. And let's, let's do that by praying together today as the screen comes, comes down. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for... Um, this opportunity for this space, God, where we can come to you, we can expect that you're going to be here and encounter you, expect your presence, God, among us. We know that you're with us everywhere we go, God, but in a moment where we gather with other believers to affirm our faith and to learn more about how you would have us live in a better way, God, I pray that, um, I pray that you would bless us in this moment. Everybody who's watching, everybody who's listening, everybody who's in this room, Lord, we're open-handed to receive what you have to say for us today. Not our will, God, but yours be done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit for, I don't know, eight to ten weeks, I think, Chris. It's been, um, it's, it's been amazing to kind of dive deep and figure out 
uh, learn a little bit more about what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Chris, early on in the series, he talked about the person and the role of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is God, and it plays uh, a distinct role in the Trinity um, in relationship with God the Father and with God the Son. And Austin, last week, Austin brought a great word and a great message, and he shared that the one who trusts in Jesus has eternal life and is born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit. He's given a new breath of life, which is the Holy Spirit. And so last week we talked about that, but today I want to I talk about um, learning how to live by the Spirit, life in the Spirit. And if we've trusted Jesus then we have the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says, that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his resurrection and believe that he is God and that he can save us from the ways that we fall short, then we have the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean to live in the Spirit and to live by the Spirit? Um, this is the point in the message where I, I take a poll, okay? And so has anybody ever gotten lost while driving? Anybody ever gotten lost while driving? Okay, all right. Pretty much all of you and then the kids who haven't driven before are the only ones that really didn't raise their hands. But um, how many of you would prefer not to use a map? How many of you are like that? You're a little bit like proud, like I know where to go. I'd rather not use a map, right? How many of you? Okay, all right. That's, that's, that's kind of me too, right? Well, I um, got this <laughs> picture of a map on the screen, and I, I wonder if it's ever caused any arguments in your family. <laughs> Can anybody say that that's been the case? Getting lost and having a map, uh, but not following it. And those, over, those of us over 30 years old probably had to deal with paper maps at some point, right? Paper maps. Um, I kind of did some calculation. I think about 30 is, is the right age. I'm a little bit beyond that now. But, uh, but now we've got maps on our phones at all times, right? And so there's almost no excuse to get lost. And even if there's, if there's traffic, it'll let us know. And um, I remember one time when we first moved to California, my wife and I um, and, our, and our kids uh, were, were a couple years old at that point. Um, we were driving home from one of our favorite beaches and we wanted to get out there to the beach and just walk it before the sun set, before dark, you know, and get home in time for the kids to get a good bedtime so that they could, you know, go to school the next day, wake up at the right time. And so, you know, I remember we were coming back and we were coming back from San Clemente and I'm thinking, I know the way, you know, I've been, been here plenty of times. I know the way, we're going to be good. Sarah, no need to pull the map out, I got this, you know, I'll take care of it. And uh, about a mile into our drive on the freeway, we were completely stopped in traffic, completely stopped. And our 25-minute drive turned into a 50-minute drive. Um, and if I would have used the map, the better path would have been suggested, and I would have followed it. Um, I had the map, but I decided not to be led by the map, and I paid the price. Um, thankfully, they were really gracious with me. Um, no, no mean mean uh, comments towards dad. But the map, you know, I, I, I want to I talk about that today because it's, it's not a perfect analogy for God. I will give you that. But I think that many of us can act the same way with the Holy Spirit sometimes, that we have access to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, but we don't always allow the Spirit to guide our lives. And instead, we're content to be self-led apart from God. We lead ourselves into things that are far from God's best for us. And so today, I want to look at a passage in Scripture in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Paul has a word for Christians in Rome and uh, about their relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he challenges them to be guided by the Spirit. 
So let's read uh, together. The, this the scripture is going to be on the screen. Let's read what Paul has to say to those who have chosen to trust Christ Jesus. And, um, and this is just a, a chunk of verses that we'll look through together and we'll kind of go into as, as the message goes on. Romans 8 verse 9 says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Amen. That's the word of God. And as, as, we, as we review these words from Paul about what it means to live by the Spirit, we're going to explore three different questions that are prompted by the text. Three questions that I want to ask you to ask yourself today. Question one is, who are you? Who are you? This is your identity. Question number two is, who will you follow? Who's going to be your leader, the leader of your life? And number three is, how will you be led? What will your response be? How will you be led by the one that you follow? So first question, who are you? Who are you? I thought of that, who are you? That song just <laughs> popped in my head. I told myself if I'm ever like prompted to just sing anything today, I should just lean into it. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's who I am. <laughs> uh, who are you? Who are you? Apparently a singer. Um, <laughs> So this has to do with your identity in Christ. This has to do with your identity in Christ. And Romans 8 answers this question. The very first one that I'm going to share with you actually, um, going to deviate from the script a little bit. It's a bonus question. It's not part of, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a bonus answer. It's not part of this scripture that we just read. And it's actually earlier in the chapter. It's Romans 8.1. And it says that you are not condemned. You are not condemned if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are not condemned. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now... So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That's really good news. That's really good news. If you've put your faith in Jesus, there is now no condemnation. No matter how badly you slip, no matter how well you choose to follow this message that I'm about to give you, there's no condemnation for you if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, whether or not you measure up. The second thing that's true about your identity that is found in this passage is that you are alive and made right with God. I got to that part in the scripture and I was just like, wanted to jump out of my skin. Woohoo! Made right with God. Reconciled with God. The scripture in verse 10, it says, And Christ lives within you. 
So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. That's good news. The third thing about our identity is that you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 says that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. And I'm going to keep listing these down. There's so many things that this passage says about who you are in Christ when Christ dwells within you. You are a child of God. You have not received, uh, Romans 58, 15 says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We call out to God and the spirit affirms that we are God's children. Here, Paul reminds us of who we were before Christ. Um, he says, he says you, know, you're sla- you were slaves to fear. He was talking about a spirit that, that no longer makes you fearful slaves, as it says in the scripture. But now, thank God that we are children of God. And it reminds me of, of that song um, that we've sung before. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. It's affirming what it says in the scripture here in Romans 8, that we are children of God because we've put our trust in him, because we've cried out and said, Abba, Father. Um, I love this, this quote from uh, this, uh, a Bible commentary that I was reading, and it talks about, about this, this particular passage, and it says that we sometimes come to the point of doubting our salvation because our sanctification, which is the process of, of learning how to live a holy life, our sanctification has proceeded so slowly and so lamely. The Spirit, however, does not base his assuring testimony on our progress or the lack of it in the Christian life. The Spirit doesn't base the assurance of who we are in Christ based on our progress and our ability to grow. He does not lead us to cry, I am God's child, as if to prove ourselves, right? God, I prove myself to you that I'm your child by doing this, by doing that. No, rather, he calls us, he leads us to call upon the Father, God, and to look away from ourselves to him who established the relationship. So it's saying when, when we point our eyes to God, when we point our eyes to the one who established the relationship, that point is no longer about us. The assurance of who we are in Christ is not about us. It's about who we are calling to, God our Father. We are a child of God. The last thing that it talks about in terms of our identity is that you are an heir to all that is in Christ. You are an heir to all that is in Christ. As heirs, we have a hope in an inheritance. And it says in verse 17, I, I like the, the message translation of this. I thought would give it a different, different viewpoint um, as, as far as what Paul is saying here. But it says, we know that we're going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, if we go through the suffering with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. And we have the hope in an inheritance that is freedom from death and decay. Verse 21 says that. We have the hope in an inheritance that assures that our bodies will be released from sin and suffering, that we'll get new bodies. It says that in verse 23 in the same chapter. Life on earth will still include suffering, make no mistake, especially in this disconnect as we live in the spirit amid a world that lives according to the sinful nature. We're going to talk about that disconnect, that opposition. And sometimes as we seek to live by the spirit, we're going to face opposition. 
We're going to encounter suffering because this world plays by different rules than the world of the kingdom. But the Holy Spirit does give us hope because he is the guarantee of our inheritance as heirs. So this is who you are in Christ, and it's central to life in the Spirit. I just want to just list that off again. You're not condemned. You're alive and made right with God. You're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're a child of God, and you're an heir to all that is in Christ. And I want to say that, you know, I, I, I keep repeating it. I'm going to repeat it again later be, until I'm blue in the face because we've got to know what Jesus says about us, what God says about who we are in Jesus Christ. It's important to our daily living because there are lies coming at us from every angle, including from in here, from our own flesh, that tell us that we're something different or less than that. But this is who we are in Jesus Christ. That's one of the questions that's answered there. And to those who haven't trusted in Jesus that, that might be in the room right now, Earlier in this chapter, it says that God has done what we couldn't do to fulfill the perfect and blameless way of living, the standard, the law. Although we fall short, Jesus Christ fulfilled this way of living on our behalf so that everyone who trusts in him is declared blameless in Christ. And so if you trust in Jesus, all of these things are true about you too. All of these things. You're not condemned, alive and made right with God, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, a child of God and an heir to all that is in Christ. And you have that choice that you can make today if you haven't made that choice before. The second question that, um, that is answered in this passage, who will you follow? Who will you follow? Who are you going to choose to be your leader? And this is children of God. Who are you going to choose day after day to be your leader? For those of us who trust in Christ, we have another choice today and every day. And this passage talks a lot about two competing forces. It talks about the flesh and it talks about the spirit. The flesh versus the spirit. Or the sinful nature in, in the NLT, in the version that we just read, it says sinful nature as well as the, the flesh is another translation of that. The word for sinful nature or flesh in Greek is, uh, is this little tr literal translation of this soft tissue. I, can, I, I find too much of it these days, but this soft tissue <laughs> of our bodies, soft tissue, but also, you know, it refers to the transitory and perishable nature of our bodies. And, and Paul uses it in a sense to describe one's existence apart from God, apart from and opposed to God. In other words, it's a life according to your own standards, which can be set by all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Things we might not even realize are part of the flesh. Desires that we have. Intellect, if we're, if we're just, you know, trying to reason our way through life. Um, even your own ability to follow the rules as perfectly as possible. You're trying to do the right thing, but you can still be living by the flesh. All of these things inform your own standards for God's spirit, without God's spirit informing them. And so that's the, that's the differentiation. So what we think of as a sinful nature includes not only our temptations towards immorality or perpetual lies or substance abuse, addictions, or things like that that you just, you might be able to name and say like, yeah, that's a sin. No, it also is the very thought that I can do life on my own and take it into my own hands apart from the leadership of God. This is living by the flesh. That's the difference. Life in the flesh is a self-seeking life dependent on us apart from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. In my life, um, I think of moments when, when my decisions were driven by comparison with others. 
And, uh, and that's, that's kind of a form, you know, of, of it falls into this category, self-seeking life dependent on us apart from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I remember in my earlier years of worship ministry, um, I would think things like, how can I be seen as the most creative person in the room? How can, uh, how can I prove my value? How can I show other people that I, I, got, I got what it takes and I need to move on up? What will make me stand out as the best? I wish I could sound like this guy when he sings, or I wish I could state things as clearly as this woman over there. And leading into those thoughts only led to disillusionment and disappointment and not really understanding well what my calling was. I was focused on what my flesh said was important, and I was unable to identify what the Spirit wanted to lead me to prioritize. I was choosing to be led by my sinful nature rather than the Holy Spirit. And so in contrast to that, on the other hand, life in the Spirit is a surrendered life. It's a life that's surrendered and dependent on the leadership of the Holy Spirit, not on my own, on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's a life that says, Holy Spirit, I surrender. I want to be led by you in all that I do. And as followers of Jesus Christ, who now have the Holy Spirit, we are not bound by our sinful nature anymore. That's the good news. We're not captive to it anymore. We don't have to go that way. We now have the freedom to choose to follow the Holy Spirit and to walk in step with him day by day. We might still experience that temptation of the flesh to follow the flesh, the self apart from God, but now that we know who we are, we can make the choice to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I might notice those same self-seeking desires that I experienced in those early years of ministry. I, I still feel those desires creep up, right? I still feel... I still feel this temptation to lean into something that says, how can I look good right now? But I need to surrender my flesh to the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8.13 says that the power of the Spirit will help me put to death those deeds of my sinful nature, will help put to death those desires if I trust in Him. There's a commentator named Warren Wearsby, and he, uh, he was speaking in this biblical commentary about this passage, and I, I love the way that he put it because it really helped me kind of frame where we want to be as Christians, as Christ followers. And he says that there are three different levels as far as living with the Spirit. Level one, you don't have the Spirit. And verses five through eight describe that. It describes a life without God before giving your life to Jesus. You're in the flesh. You're spiritually dead. You're not at peace with God. You're living to please the self. And this, this obligation that we had to the flesh, that's still in effect. We're controlled by it when we don't have the spirit. But then level two is what I've been describing as far as who you are in Christ, right? You do have the spirit. In Romans 8, 9 through 11, it describes your new identity in Christ, and you've received the Spirit of God by trusting in Jesus. You're spiritually secure as a child of God. That's level two. But then level three, Wearsby talks about the fact that the Spirit has you. The Spirit has you. Paul challenges us not to be satisfied with level two, just having the Spirit. But verses 12 through 17 describe this life that's dependent upon the Spirit. As we yield every area of our lives to the Holy Spirit, He puts to death the things of the flesh and reproduces the things of the Spirit. He helps us to do that. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, I was, I was speaking to my pastor at Saddleback while I was, where I was serving um, in California. He goes by Pastor Rick. And uh, I had the joy of, 
of getting to share that my, uh, that my daughter, Cora, had accepted Jesus, had trusted Jesus as, as her Savior. And it was just a joy-filled moment. And I was just like, I got to grab him. I got to let him know. Um, and as I shared that, I also shared kind of my realization that there's so much for her to learn about walking with Jesus Christ as she gets older. As every year of her life goes by, she's going to learn more about how to surrender to Jesus. And uh, I want to help her as, as best as possible. And Pastor Rick, who had accepted Jesus at a young age, he gave me this, uh, this beautiful picture, and he told me something like this, that, that life is, is like an island. Life is like an island, our lives. And when we receive Jesus and are sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, we trust God with this, this beachhead of the island. So this whole platform might be the island, but I just give him this corner over here. And I, because that might be, at that moment, all that I know about how to give up God, whether it's at an early age or even later, as you learn more and more and more about how to follow Jesus, you get more opportunities to see, oh, there's more to give the Lord, right? And, uh, and, and he just, you know, just said that we trust God with that beachhead of the island, and as we continue to walk with him, our life is marked with daily surrender of more beaches, more land to him. And so when we make this decision to trust God, we have the Holy Spirit. But as we walk in the Spirit, living lives of daily surrender, the Spirit has us. It leads us. Another scripture I wanted to share with you is from Galatians 5. And it says, it talks more about living by the Spirit here. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposed to what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And a few verses later it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living in the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. When we make the Holy Spirit our leader, the same passage of Scripture says that we will produce good fruit in our lives, good fruit. And it shows some of that fruit up there, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit will produce in our lives if we're living by Him. But if we reject the leadership of the Spirit and are self-led by our flesh, we produce results of a different kind. These are the results of the flesh. It's almost like, like bad fruit, right? It's almost, uh, it's, it's the results of the flesh, the works of the flesh. If we reject his lyric, uh, if we reject this leadership, we produce things like sexual immorality, impurity, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, division and drunkenness. It was a long list actually, so I kind of condensed it. But it's rotten fruit. That's pretty rotten fruit. And the, the spirit, the flesh produces this self-seeking life. And then on the other hand, the Holy Spirit produces this life of selflessness. So that's the contrast, and you'll see some of that contrast there. Self-seeking life versus a life of selflessness. The flesh will lead you to look out for yourself as number one, but the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to look out for others, for those who are on the margins, for the hurting, for the forgotten. That's what the Spirit will produce in you. The flesh will produce a life of hostility and anger, but the Holy Spirit will produce a life of enduring peace 
and joy. That's what I want. So who are you going to choose to lead your life? Will you choose to have the Spirit but be self-led apart from His control? Or will you allow the Holy Spirit to have you? The last question I want to answer is how will you be led? So great, I want to make that choice. I want to live by the Spirit. Help me figure out how to do that. What do I need to know? How do I do that daily? Number one, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. And like I said, till you're blue in the face, you got to keep telling yourself, this is who I am in Christ. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. You're not condemned. You're alive and made right with God. You're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're a child of God and you're an heir to all that is in Christ. Heir to an inheritance. Number two, how will you be led? Get to know your leader. Get to know your leader. So if you've made that decision to say, yes, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live by myself anymore. I don't want to live by my own power. Get to know your leader. And this is a reminder that we have no obligation to the sinful nature. That's not our leader. That's not our leader. The Spirit empowers you and enables you to overcome that and leads you to God's will for your life. So I I mentioned that map earlier on. But the truth is, and this, this is going to be on the screen, that the Holy Spirit is much more than a map of static information that you can memorize. Much more. But he's a living and breathing and active guide who calls for daily dependence. Daily dependence. It's not something to consume once and say, okay, I know all there is to, to know about the Holy Spirit. I got it from here. Kind of like I did, right? <laughs> Requires daily dependence. Another point about this is to get to know your leader by studying and the living and active Word of God. Study the living and active Word of God. Also more than just a set of instructions, right? But a living Word to live by. And this is, um, this is something I'm going to park on a little bit. I'm passionate about. Um, if you're rooted in Scripture, you'll be able to produce the fruit of the Spirit when tempted by your sinful nature. You'll be able to produce that fruit. And Jesus exemplified this for us in in Luke chapter 4 when the devil tempted him and appealed to his hunger and his ego. And Jesus responded with Scripture in every situation. Don't put the Lord your God to the test, he said, or man shall not live by bread alone. He responded and oozed out Scripture when he was squeezed and tempted. Side note, this passage also says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And I thought that was an important insight to to see in the Scripture because the Spirit doesn't always lead us into easy and pleasant situations. we got to know what we're getting into. But as we depend on the Spirit's power more and more, we grow as people who learn to be led by God in every situation. So there are so many ways to study God's Word, and one I want to give you today just as, a, as an example, as a practice, maybe something to Google and look up, but um, I like the example of this practice called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina, it sounds really fancy. It just means, it means divine reading, divine reading. And Lectio Divina is a way of reading one to two paragraphs of Scripture slowly, and then asking God to speak to you through His Word. And taking time to listen in silence. And a lot of times, I remember early years of of following Jesus, I really wanted to know all that he said in Scripture. And I was like, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. I'm going to do that whole plan thing. And and as I, you know, I'm going through and and, uh, and I, I remember just speed reading. And this is an opportunity to, to sit in silence and to sit still with God's word and to let him speak to you, speak through you, 
through the, his words on the page. Not to just consume it and to say, I want to get more information about this, but no, I think God has something specific to me to say today through this scripture that I might have read several times before in my life. Find a way that works for you daily. It could be an app, it could be a rhythm, it could be an accountability partner. I began uh, to find a couple of years ago that walking, uh, taking a walk first thing in the morning, uh, before there's any other activity, that helped me clear my mind and focus on the Spirit of God um, and what He wanted me to, to, to hear through the, through the Bible. And so I started popping in headphones and taking a 15-minute walk uh, when I listened to guided reflection on Scripture and prayer in one of my, my favorite apps that I'd highly recommend called Lectio 365, Lectio 365, just like a 10-minute thing that guides you through Scripture and prayer in a slow way to just build in stillness in your life to hear from God's word, to be able to see and think about your day in the way that God sees and thinks about it. The last thing about um, approaching God's word is to approach God's word with humility, ready and willing to be challenged and transformed. I think that's so important. So I want to ask you, are you coming to God's word to accumulate more head knowledge? I've been there. To accumulate more head knowledge or are you anticipating that God will reveal truth that will change the way that you live? Are you coming for confirmation of what you're convinced is true? Are you coming to the word and saying, oh, I just got to find something to back up what I believe here? Or are you coming with a genuine willingness to have your mind changed and renewed by the Holy Spirit? Are you coming to simply analyze an ancient text? Or are you prayerful that God would bring a living word of fresh revelation for you today? Will you seek to possess the word of God or will you allow it to possess you? Get to know your leader. The third way to be led, how will you be led? Live in community with other believers. And there are a few things on, on the screen that are just tips for that. But when you're surrounding yourself with other believers and studying God's word together, God shows you things that you might not have seen from your limited perspective. Maybe God has done something, worked through a trial in their life that you haven't experienced. Another way is small groups. They're essential to the life of this church. And I know we've got some starter groups coming up soon um, that Austin mentioned last week as a great entry-level way to find a group if you've been wondering about that. Find out about that at our Connection Center. You can, you can fill in the Connect card and, and ask about small groups. Celebrate Recovery is also this incredible resource that we have here at Horizon West. I got to spend a week last week with, uh, with some of our Celebrate Recovery family and leadership here. And it just helps you to be led by the Spirit because the ministry has this large group and small group component of group meetings that help people deal with things like anxiety, addictions, trauma from abuse. There's something for everybody to help process these heavy challenges that we face in an environment that's spirit-led. And this is a space where I personally have found a lot of hope and healing in my life. Celebrate recovery. So live in community with other believers. And then the very last thing, how will you be led by the Spirit of God? We've talked about, we've talked about reminding yourself of who you are, getting to know your leader, living in community with other believers. Surrender to God in prayer. Surrender to God in prayer. Pastor Chris uh, led us early in the series to pray these words daily. And there are many iterations of it, but to pray, good morning, Holy Spirit, have your way in me today. Have your way in me today. I surrender to you. 
What a great reminder to surrender to God and to live a life led by the Spirit. But it's something that we need to do daily. I encourage you to name the things that will constantly, that you need to surrender consciously into the care of God. Just a couple of weeks before um, God began revealing to me his plan for our family to come here to Horizon West. Um, this was in February. In February we came and um, God just appointed some divine conversations with Pastor Chris and some others. And, but before that, um, and I hadn't thought about the timing of this a whole lot until, until this week when I was just thinking about being led by the Spirit. Before that, I had this opportunity um, to just surrender to God and say, God, you know my desires. God, you know I want to live near family in Orlando. But God, you know I love this community that I have out here in California. You know that I love leading worship, but you know that I want to grow as a pastor. I wrote down this list of 20 areas in my life, and I said, it's all on the table. It's all yours. I surrender the ownership and leadership of my life to you. And I actually, like, not randomly, because God knows what he's doing, but found this notepad that had, had the list of things <laughs> that I surrendered to God in that moment. And I remember as my team, we were, we were at a, a team retreat, and the team was leading worship in a, in a room, and it was just off in a corner praying with the Lord. And I just made this list. I said, God, you're worthy of my praise, my song, my passion, my efforts, my trust, my desires, my family. Whatever you want to do, send me here. Don't send me here. My family. It's all on the table, God. It's all yours. I surrender the ownership and leadership of my life to you. And so the team is, is going to lead us in a song as an opportunity to reflect on how God is leading us to surrender, to make room for the Holy Spirit, to speak into your life and to lead you. But I'm going to invite you first to respond to the call to live in the Spirit. This is, this is a moment of decision for, for each one of you. I invite you to bow your heads together with me. And maybe this is a moment for you to just say, yes, Holy Spirit, I surrender my life to you. Maybe it's for the first time so that all of those things would be true about you as a child of God. But maybe there's a moment of decision to live life in the Spirit, to say, Spirit, you can have me. And so if you'd like to do that today, I invite you to hold your hands out in front of you, palms up. This is for all believers who want to say, yes, I want to live by the Spirit. So first, ball your hands into a fist. And think about the areas of your life that you're holding on to tightly. These areas, like the things that I listed in my list, that I was holding on to very tightly. You want them to go a certain way. Relationships, health, work, life, circumstances. And as you release your fists back to holding your palms up, I invite you to present those desires to God. Tell him your desires. He loves to hear your honest heart. The Holy Spirit invites you to release control to him and to say, God, here's my life. And so if you choose to follow that invitation, turn your palms downward and pray as Jesus prayed, God, not my will, but yours be done. Have your way in my life today. As you turn your palms back up, let's just make Paul's words our prayer today. Holy Spirit, guide my life. Holy Spirit, I follow your leading in every part of my life. And during this next song, let's continue this posture of prayer and surrender in our hearts. You can remain seated. You can stand if you'd like to. You can come to the front and kneel. Whatever you want to do, let's make space in this moment to let go to God. 
Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.